Well, they've turned for home at the Genesis Invitational there in California on the PGA Tour. And John Rahm and Max Homer are tied for the lead, both at 16 under par. Homer's having a very good final round. He's four under through the 10. And John Rahm, one under through 10 at the top of the leaderboard. Jason Day, fantastic final round. He's uh, through 17 holes. He's six under and nine under for the tournament. Uh, And he's tied for eighth. As it stands, uh, Tiger is one under for the tournament. And uh, in fact, he's finished. He's in the clubhouse. So he finished with a two over 73 in his final round, tied for 45th. Tiger, did you say you, you and Ray were debating yesterday whether he'd win another major? And Ray, Ray gave him a chance. Well, it's more, probably major was the wrong analogy. I mean, more, can he win on the American tour again? Just at an event. And I... I yeah. I was just saying to you guys off air, it doesn't look like he's enjoying his golf because he cannot do what he knows he once could mm. do. And that would be incredibly frustrating. Mm. But he always looks, not angry, Tiger, but he just looks like he's not out there with a smile on his face, which is the smile the world came to love for so many years. Competitor, he will always be a competitor, won't Correct. he? And that's the thing. But, but it must be hard what he's put his body through. Correct. Oh. It must be hard, though, when you're that kind of a competitor, Mido. Mm. You're so focused, you're so driven, but you just can't attain the levels you once did. Mm. I mean, Clarkie spoke about it, didn't you, Clarkie? It's very difficult for a sportsman. Oh, well, I think you feel even... You probably don't. It's probably not that clear when you get to the back end of your career, but I think once you do announce your retirement and you just take a bit of a breath, you can, you can then see that some things did change. Um and then, like I think about now, like I've a lot of my mates still playing club cricket at West. They come and come and play in the twenty twenty comp or the one day comp. But you just know you're not going to be able to produce what you used to produce. You, yes, everything's going to hurt a lot more. You're a bit older, a bit slower. But I think it is. Yeah, I, I you'd, I would, my personality, I would find it really hard to, you know, to not be able to play the way that. You've always known, always think you can play. And your expectations of yourself don't change. You still, no matter how old you are, no matter how slow you are, you don't walk out onto a sporting field and be okay with not performing. A lot of sportsmen say to me when I interview them, Clarkie, that they just woke up one morning and knew. Mm. Did My, you go through that? No, I, I think... When I say knew, I mean they just knew that they had to retire. I, I, Laurie did. Laurie said, yeah, I woke was, up one morning... Mine was different, Bulldog. Mine was different because I think there was a number of outside factors that played a part to then making, helping me make the decision. You know, I think, and again, it's easier to see now, but um, it was obviously my performances weren't as good as I wanted them to be. We just lost lost an Ashes series that I felt we should have won, and me being captain thought I had to take responsibility for that. Losing Philip Hughes, I think, really hit me, and it probably took me six months post Philip passing to work out that that was having an effect on not only my life but the way I saw cricket and played cricket. And then I was only, you know, probably four months away from having my, my wife at the time, um, having my little girl as well, and I didn't want to travel the world and be away ten months of the year from my daughter. So I, I think all that together, yeah, it probably makes a decision, but I, I, I don't think I woke up going, oh, you know, I'm, I've, I've lost. I don't know how to play anymore or I don't love the game anymore. I just think it was, an, there was enough reasons. You get to that age as well where you know as well, like you can't play forever, you know, and I didn't want to play forever. I'll, I'll always love the game and I and owe so much to cricket. Like, again, I, I watched the test match, but I love sitting now and watching the test match, not 
playing, not doing warm-up, not oh, going to a team meeting after you bat like that or get bowled out for 47 like I experienced. So, yeah, I think you just things just happen along the way. And people are right when they say, especially once you've got a family, once your priorities changed and playing sport at the highest level is not the most important thing in your world, it does make it hard to stay there and, and be as good as you, you want to be, I think. How are you, Mossy? Fantastic, Mido. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Did you do the game between MacArthur and Newcastle Saturday night, which went for about six months? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like I'm still doing it. <laughs> Take you know us what? through I'm it. Part, I'm part of history. Day-nighter. <laughs> You need all the pink one My god Do you put in but, your um, invoice double time? Yeah <laughs> oh, Yeah right I think I got docked half my way Just because I was so poor But um, I had no voice by the end of it um, But yeah part of history That's the longest game in world football history The previous record was 3 hours 23 minutes We went 3 hours 59 minutes So uh yeah, nice little uh, feather in the cap, that one. But it was just a bizarre night. Um, and credit to the players and coaching staff for getting through it. In the end, Newcastle went away with the points, 1-0 against MacArthur. But, gee, the um, the turn in weather and how quickly it happened. And it went from being a, you know, the calm before the storm to being a cyclone. Um, and Newcastle took advantage in those first, uh, I think it was 13 minutes before the first uh, lightning postponement and they scored in about the eighth minute um, and then just held on um, over the next three hours. <laughs> Mossy, should the game have the been point. postponed? Uh, look, I, I had my concerns, Bulldog, particularly after the second postponement. Um, I, I thought it was very, very hard on the players uh, mentally and physically to get back up um, a third time um, to, to play. But um, anyway, look, it went ahead. There's obviously a lot of commercial... Um, logistics to think about as well for the, for the officials but referee Stephen Lucas I thought was the calmest man at the ground under pressure because all eyes were on him as to what would happen and the match commissioner but um, look, the game went ahead it was done and dusted there was no serious injuries from what I can uh, gather so um, it's uh, it's one less catch up game we have to worry about What did you make of what we saw yesterday at Cooper Stadium in Adelaide 4-4 Adelaide and the Wanderers what a game that was! Just uh, absolutely remarkable um, to have eight games, uh, eight goals in a game like that. Um, Western Sydney, you got to give them credit because they were the, the away team and they just refused to go away and um, ended up doing enough to get the point with um, Leone scoring uh, a, a, a good goal in the 95th minute. Um, but um, you know, Adelaide Calvert was absolutely ropeable um, for, for giving that goal away. It was a brilliantly taken goal. Um, but far too much space and room in the in the penalty box given to someone on the ball facing goal. Um, but that'll bring the crowds back. And Ibasuki, I think, was the headline out of this because he hadn't scored for 10 games for, for Adelaide and uh, he got 2-1 from the penalty spot and a good header at the back post. So, uh, yeah, wonderful entertainment. Sydney FC get away with one there, Mossy, do you reckon? Well, in, in the end... Yes, because they they scored the equaliser so late, Clarky. But yeah. um, but they they deserve they definitely deserve something out of the game, if not all three points. They had okay. uh, a lot more shots on on target. They um, they dominated possession for large periods. Um, they they had a penalty saved by Joe Lo- uh, Joe Lolly mm. um, had a penalty saved. So yeah, uh, overall they definitely deserve something. But because it came so late, you'd say that they uh, they dodged the bullet. 
And, uh, well, an upset in the Melbourne Derby. Victory beating City 3-2. Of course, this was the first derby since the infamous one uh, where we had the pitch invasion. And uh, it was, I think, one or two idiots in the crowd. But other than that, Mossy, all went pretty well. Yeah, I, I don't think Melbourne Victory fans will uh, agree with you, Mino, about the upset. <laughs> the table suggests it definitely was an upset. You got one, uh, you know, first place Melbourne City up against last place Melbourne Victory, who've now climbed off the bottom of the table. But a good performance from Victory. It was a statement win. This one, um, you know, derbies just have a different dynamic to them, of course. And uh, bragging rights go to um, to the dark blue side of uh, of the city. But um, a really important win. Forget the der- forgetting the derby for a moment. Really, really crucial win for Tony Popovich and his uh, and his squad, and um, they were good value. They, they did very well on the night and uh, deserved the win. But uh, as I said yesterday, and sorry to bore you with this one, Bulldog Richie, because you were on the show yesterday. But Matt Leckie, I've got to give him a rap because um, you know so many international soccerers who have a great career overseas come back to the A League, and it, their sort of career ends with a bit of a whimper. Um, Matt Leckie, I think, is in the form of his life. Um, and I know he's not playing in the Bundesliga at the moment, it's the A-League, but, gee, he's playing some good football. He was fantastic for us at the World Cup. He's come back. He's leading Melbourne City. They've gone through a change of coach, scored two brilliant goals on the uh, on the weekend, and I just think he's uh, he's like a fine red wine. Clarky, getting better with age. Love it. Bottle of Grange. That's what he's like. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> what did you make of the Matildas, Mossy? 3-2 against Spain, and you just feel like the wheels turned with the Matildas after they went through a pretty barren run of results under Tony Gustafsson, but I think that's six in a row now. Yeah, that's right. And uh, look, the only, the only slight on yesterday's game was the, the, the leaky defence sort of came back a little bit. They, they conceded two, um, but they were 3-0 up uh, at that stage and a few changes and, and so forth. So you can certainly forgive that, but there's no doubt the Matildas have turned a massive corner since 12 months ago. Mm. Um, and as you said, six on the trot now, that's Great form, great confidence going into a, hosting a World Cup later this year. And um, Tony Gustafsson always believed. Uh, he wanted stern tests early on. He got them. Uh, they conceded a lot of goals, but uh, it's clearly given him something to work with. And, um, you know, when you see the likes of Sam Kerr um, with the bounce in her step returning um, in, a, in a national shirt because she went through a bit of a, a flat spell for the Matildas, um, even though she was going great guns over there in, in England with, with Chelsea. Um, and Claire Polkyhorn, two goals in two games and celebrating her milestone as the most capped uh, national team player. Fantastic stuff. Now, Mossy Man, United and Spurs uh, won overnight in the EPL and Arsenal and Liverpool also move up the ladder. Yeah, that's right. Uh, let's just knock over Liverpool quickly for mid and I. Two, uh, two wins back-to-back uh, last week um, in the Merseyside derby and then Newcastle. Um, away from home, which is fantastic uh, news going into the Champions League game, hosting Real Madrid uh, this later this week. So that that's really important for, for Klopp and, and the dressing room for that, uh, just to get that confidence because we've got no chance of winning the Premier League. We're out of the FA Cup, so the Champions League is it if we're going to get our hands on some silverware. Manchester United keep doing what Manchester United are doing now under Ten Hag. Um, fantastic. Rashford, absolutely on fire. The, the guy cannot miss. He scored two overnight. Um, and playing some wonderful football. So uh, they're certainly on song. And, and Spurs, important win. Son um, finding the back of the net off the bench. Uh, he hasn't been starting of late uh, regularly. So uh, that'll do his confidence a world of good.
And incredible to see Manchester City held by Nottingham Forest and Arsenal getting a crucial win. So all of a sudden, uh, I think this is going to be a great finish, hopefully, to the season, this title race. Yeah, I think it will be, Mido. Um, you know, last week you saw Manchester City claim the points over Arsenal. Pep Guardiola, the master, putting the apprentice, uh, Mikel Arteta, back in his pocket um, and, and taking the, the lead. And then over the weekend, they go and drop points, as you said. Arsenal rest uh, control of the top spot again. So I think we're in for that now till the end of the season. I can't see either of those teams falling away badly. Um, so it should be a, a, a bumper right in. And then, of course, there's the top four. Um, and who's going to claim those European spots um, as the run-in continues. But, um, yeah, some, some great stuff. And, of course, at the other end of the table, there's always a relegation fight, and that's uh, just so intriguing, which is why Australian football needs promotion and relegation eventually. How long do you think, or how patient do you think Chelsea will be with Graham Potter? It's a great question. Um, yeah, they're obviously, um, you know, they lost the first league of the Champions League uh, around 16 last week. Um, so they're in a dicey position there. Um, things not going. They haven't found consistency of late in the Premier League. There's no doubt about that. They're sitting mid-table in 10th. Um, look, it, it was a long-term project signing him. Um, but the length of uh, long-term projects in the Premier League we know don't last that long. So, look, I think you'll get the rest of this season. Um, but, yeah, he's going to have to finish with a wet sail um, to, to get the confidence of the fans and the board. Now, Mossy, I saw on social media, dinner last night, Steve Corica, you and Arnie. I need to know who actually shouted, who paid, <laughs> and who kept their hands away from their pockets. <laughs> oh, wow, there's no secrets, is there? Um, look. <laughs> Steve Austin shouted. There you go. Steve Six Austin. million dollar man. Oh, six million dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was he wasn't happy with that figure. <laughs> no, he wasn't. And it's not true. But uh, but Stevie, Stevie and I kept calling him Steve Austin all night. So uh, by, by the end of it, he thought he was a bionic man. <laughs> oh, God love him. Good to catch up. He's really looking forward to the big sports brekkie luncheon on, on Friday. We did have a chat about that. And... Um, yeah, he can't wait to uh, to get amongst it on Friday. I did tell him, Clarky, that he was sitting um, on the other side, on between you and Loz, and he was on the other side of you. Sounds good um, to me. And he said, yeah, that's great. Said, Buzz as well wants to be close. Just we're going to be tight. Yeah. We'll make it work. Mate, you're going to have your entourage. You'll have your yeah. security around you. I might put Buzz beside Josh Reynolds. Those two seem to have a... <laughs> Buzz is a big fan who's, of Josh. Who's going to lose, yeah. lose an ear first? Yeah, I don't know. But I might sit those two together and I'll just be in earshot so I can hear what Joshy has to say to Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> Mossy. Could be a cracking day. <laughs> uh, mate, we'll chat later in the week. And uh, I was having a quick look at that market with Tab. Liverpool, $2.30. Real Madrid, $2.80. The draw, three fifty. Uh, give us a completely unbiased opinion and a scoreline. What will happen Wednesday morning our time? Liverpool one nil, Mo Salah, any time scorer, first goal, goal scorer. Yeah, I just think he's finding form. Um, I've just seen a few signs. I know he scored obviously as well, but seeing a few signs, uh, the springing step is coming back, and the confidence is there. And I think we've been good in transition. We haven't been great in build up, but in transition to attack, which is where Mo Salah can be so dangerous. Uh, I, I see him scoring in this one in a tight win. You have a great week, mate. Good on you guys. Take care. Give us a call. 135353 0419767272 on the text line. Now I'll get to some of these texts. Villains, Pat Cummins. 
Oh, gee, hasn't missed here. Uh, the worst Australian cricket captain in living memory who, if you're going with one quick, isn't the best in our squad. And with Ronald McDonald as coach, it shows there is no place for soft centre leadership in any sport. Hero, the Matildas, showing us how to play competitive sports, says Eagle Pete. Uh, morning, lads. Hope you had a good weekend. Hero's Josh Reynolds, not a Bulldogs fan, but a become a fan of him since being on the show. It was great scenes when he scored at Belmore. Uh, Villain the Dragons, not sure where we go from here. I know it's only a trial, but we looked dreadful. I told my wife not to buy any wooden spoons for cooking since I think we will have one at the end of the season. Have a good one, says the Shell Harbour Happy Dragon. Uh, sending that one through. Hero Ali Mosley, I'm going for my fourth week in a row with the Punters Club after following Ali's tips. Again, Villain, whoever works... Out you pay $60 to sit in a grandstand for two trial matches yesterday at Billmore, says Scooter at Carring Bar, uh, sending that one through. Uh, what else have we got here? While well, I find some more, we'll chat to Steve. G'day, Steve. How are you? Hey, boys. How are you going? Yeah, good on a Monday. What have you got for yeah, us? It's, ra- it's race day. It's race day. Tropical high at Warrnambool. No, yeah, good luck. What race is it? Race four, mate. Race four today, Warrnambool. I'll get a price here. Tropical 15, high. 15 bucks the place. Yeah, okay, yeah, 70 to 1 and 15 the place we got here with Tab. So that's race four, number eight. Give it strength. Good luck, Steve. Yeah, need it. All right, heroes and villains, boys. Did you happen to see the um, world title fight yesterday from England? No, didn't see it. Right, so Lee Wood, featherweight, Pom WBA title. Um, champion, uh, got absolutely sat on his bum in the sixth round. He'd won every round before that, but this was just the, the punch of the year. Um, he got up, the referee was going to let it go, going to let it go when the corner did the right thing and threw the towel. And like, Wood was filthy. He's a champion. He's just lost his belt. But the, the, the corner did the right thing, looking after their boxer. You know, there's more than just winning the fight. It's about the health of the boxer. And they, I thought that was great that considering it was a champion's corner, they could throw it in. Good stuff. Yeah, I didn't see it, but too busy watching the other knockout going on over at uh, Delhi. Uh, no, this, was, this was 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, was, oh, well, I can't see everything, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, villain, well, outside of... Tiger Woods embarrassment. Um, can someone tell me why Mitchell Swepson ever got on a plane in the first place to go over there? He was never going to play the first test. He was never going to play the first test, and then go home. Your wife's having a kid. Well, um, why didn't Ashton Agar fly it. home with him? I don't understand that either. Why do they take either of them if they're not going to pick him? Well, exactly. It makes it's it's embarrassing. <laughs> the Ashton Agar thing. I, 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 they've either got to tell us more. Or it is embarrassing. Like, you've had two deputons play in front of you. Why is he on the tour? It, well, it's it's, exa- it's exactly the same as if they didn't pick Travis Head in this test match, why are you taking him on the tour? If you're not picking him in the first test, he's ranked number four in the world. <laughs> why is he over there if you don't think he can play spin? There's, there's, lots of, there's lots of smoke and mirrors in uh, Magic, but I reckon there's more cricket Australia. <laughs> and we've got England to come, Clark. Oh, I don't even want to think about England right now. I just, you know what I mean? Like, mate, all these I, questions are going to... Ru- 
yeah. rear up again as to well, who we take, who's well, going to play. They've done, conditions. They've shot themselves in the foot. If they're saying horses for courses, right? Rightio, Travis said we don't think he's a good player of spin, so we, we're not going to, even though he's ranked fourth in the world, we're not going to pick him to play in India. Okay, so when you go to England, Davy Warner's record against England of late isn't being great. So are you going to drop him for that as well? That you can't. You've got to also give guys the opportunity to grow and become better in those conditions. When Ricky Ponting went to India, he wasn't Ricky Ponting at the end of his career. Like, he struggled at the, at the start. Usman Kawar just, they did the same thing to him when they took him to Sri Lanka and dropped him. Didn't let him play. You've got to let guys also play. And if you're averaging 60 in the last 12 months, you're ranked four on the um, ICC world rankings. You're as confident as you're going to be. That's when you want to give the guy a crack. A Stark and Hazelwood, will they play in India at all? Well, not if we're picking one quick. That's what I'm saying. So there's two more you could add to the list of... Yeah. And even they must be thinking, well, what am I doing here? I don't want to be away from home. If I'm not going to play... Yeah. They won't say it publicly, but I'm sure privately they're thinking, if you're not going to pick me, I get it, Mm. but can I go home because I'm going to be missing for three months in England just down the track. Thank you for the call, Steve. All right, the uh, Genesis Invitational over at the Riviera Country Club. What have we got here? Max Homer leads by one shot from John Rahm. Patrick Cantlay, only two strokes behind there now. Uh, where's Jason Day? Fantastic final round. Six under 65 for the Aussie. And he finishes nine under par for the tournament and currently tied for seventh. And uh, Tiger ended up finishing one under par for the tournament. He shot a two over 73 in his final round. Currently tied for 45th. Give us a call. Heroes and Villains, 13.53.53. Send us a text, 0419767272. Uh, hi, team. Ray Rabbit, hero St. Helens, for showing you so-called footy experts to really be weathermen. Uh, you still get paid when you get it wrong. Uh. <laughs> Villain, you so-called footy experts for lining up at payday. Uh, Laurie couldn't find a place for more than one St. Helens player in Penrith's team. And Bulldogs, all-time classic of that Queensland team being the worst side in history. They were. They just won. <laughs> <laughs> I said they were going to lose by 20, didn't I, St. Helens? Oh, well, it goes well, the, to show the my line foot, was 20. There's, so my, the there's my football knowledge right there. Oh. I had them getting absolutely flogged. Well, so, I think yep, anyone, of a, anyone would have rationally looked at that and thought St. Helens can't come out here in the heat. Yeah. 25,000 case moment against a team that's made three grand finals. If anyone's out there saying on the text line they thought St. Helens would win, they're telling lies. That was six dollars fifty head to head. The exactly. line was nineteen and a half. Exactly. They're telling lies. It's the beauty of sport. Sometimes everyone gets. And it good right. luck to Sydney. It was a fantastic oh, night for rugby league. But as I said, no one would have tipped them with any confidence whatsoever. In fact, most thought it would be a very comfortable Panthers win. Mm. Uh, more here, uh, heroes and Helens. Uh, the emotion on display after the game just showed what it really meant to them. I think the Panthers are really underestimating the loss of Appy, Coruscant, Villain, the Newcastle Knights. Jeez, they looked ordinary again. Boys leaking soft tries and offering little in attack as a Knight supporter. It's going to be a long season, says Ginger Ninja. I jotted these down, Mido, and run through it with me. Of the 17 teams, I've got five I don't think can make it, which means there's obviously 12 that can. Mm. I've taken out the Warriors... I don't think the Tigers can get there. I've taken out Newcastle, 
Dragons and Dolphins. So that leaves 12 sides, in my opinion, battling it out for eight spots. So there is still a good battle looming in the year ahead as to who will and won't play finals footy. So you give the Titans a chance? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. I think there's five that I I can write off now and look more than likely in six months the text line will light up again saying I'm an imbecile <laughs> and that's fine. But I also get paid to come on here and give an opinion yeah. and my opinion is I think five are gone now but it does leave 12 fighting for eight spots. I think I have the Tigers with a better chance than the Titans of making the eight. I don't think either will. But, uh, well, the Titans are 40 to one and $4.50 to make the eight and the Tigers are also $4.50 to make the eight. So there you go. But, yeah, otherwise, you, you, what you just said is in line with the market anyway. Um, I had to read this text out about the cricket, which I did chuckle at. Here we go. Needing therapy after the second test. Uh, the legacy of the big bat, I'm sure you probably mean bash, or the big bat, maybe. Uh, stand and deliver, lumber across the crease and work against the line. Batting starts with the feet. And Australian batting does remarkably well considering they have discarded so much of basic fundamentals. Management has a lot to answer for. Kind regards, KD. Uh, sending that one through. Agree? Oh, I'm never one to blame supports. Though. You're playing for Australia. Like, you're not a 16-year-old kid. You know how to make runs. You've made runs in your career. So, you've, you know, if you're playing cricket for Australia, you've watched the Australian cricket team over a period of time. You've seen, you know, how guys score runs in India. So, you, you, you adjust and adapt that to your game. Even if you're natural, like I say, the the best player, the best sweeper I've seen, Australian sweeper I've seen, go and play in India and have success, is Matthew Hayden. Matthew Hayden commentated that entire game and said, I would not be sweeping here. The conditions do not favour sweeping. So if, if, if that's the case, well, I don't understand why Matt Renshaw or Alex Carey or... Uh, Pat Cummins or any of those guys think they're going to be able to do it better than Matthew Hayden did it. I'll put you on the spot, Clarkie. If you were captain and you saw what unfolded, oh. halfway through that innings, would you have said, well, for God's sake, no, boys, pull it, your heads in and stop sweeping? No, because I don't think that's the conversation halfway through the test, Matt. No, I think the conversation happens before you get on but a plane to India. would it be better to do it during and save the oh, test I, rather than no, after? No, 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 after's too late. I'm saying that conversation happens as a batting group before we get on a plane. Yeah. Or in, during the first tour game. We're talking about... Uh, we did that. Every single every single series, we would sit together as a batting group and go, right, yo, what's our, what's our plan? Or I'd go bat in the nets and Ricky Ponting would stand up the other end or Damian Martin and they'd watch me bat and say, Clark, yeah, I think it's, gonna, it's swinging a little bit more in England. I, I think at the moment, it looked like you're trying to go a little bit square off your pads. I reckon trying to hit those balls a bit straighter down the ground. I go, oh, thanks, Marto. Thanks for that, mate. He's played in England before, so now I go in the nets and I have some throwdowns and I work on, okay, instead of trying to hit that ball through square leg, now I'm trying to hit it back past the bowler, dead straight. Because in Australia, I could play like that. In England, Marto's played over there. I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to go, are those conversations happening? And that's the other thing. What's what's? It's not up to the support staff. It's up to you as a player. But when you look at our support staff, how many of those players have experienced test cricket in India? How many of those coaches have experienced playing in India? 
you know, let's go with Andrew McDonald never played Test cricket in India. This is Paddy Cummins' first time playing Test cricket in India. Uh, George Bailey select. I don't know if George is selector on duty. Never played Test cricket in India. Like, how much experience is there over there? That's why I'd be grabbing someone like Matthew Hayden or Mark War before a ball's bowled in the series and getting their advice and guidance and help and experience. Doesn't mean you go and play like Matthew Hayden. I never batted like Matthew Hayden, but his knowledge around conditions and his experience, I'll be thinking, can only help. But yeah, look, and, and it's a hard place to bat. I've got plenty of ducks over there. It's not like, you know, every past player that's sitting here talking about it um, went over there and blitzed it. We didn't. It's a hard place to play. But you give yourself your best chance by, like I've said, swim between the flags. You can still... You know, you can still get out. You can still fail. But if you're trying to do it the hardest way, it's, it's impossible. And at the moment, us trying to reverse sweep against the spin, that's the hardest shot you can play. <laughs> We're trying to do that on five or on two. It's not even the support staff, Clarky. You run through that 11 that played. Hmm. How many of those would have played test cricket in India? Yeah. Uh, David Warner, I'm assuming. Yeah, David's played test. Steve Smith. Smith. And yeah. I can't think of too many more. No. Maybe Nathan Lyon. Maybe yeah. I can't yeah. remember. So you're only looking at two or three that have played Test cricket under those conditions. Did you see AB after we got rolled when they came back to the studio had there? Bite his tongue, didn't he? Oh, Poor he was he, he was holding it in and as best because, he could. It's because oh. like I like I do it on this show all the time. Like you don't, I don't want. Now there to be a headline where you know the players, they're going to see it, they're going to read it, and you don't want to kick them while they're down. That's why I think what we're trying to do is sort of say, boys, like, what are you doing? Like, why why are we making it? Why? And I still say we, like, we're all a part of the cricket fraternity. Well, why, are we, why are we making the same mistakes or why are we making it so hard for ourselves, you know? But it's, it is. The key, I think, here is... As I said, accept what's happened, but how are we getting better? Even if all the top six say, right, this is what we're going to do. No one, no one is playing a sweep shot until we get to 20. After 20, Usman Khawaja, great example. Go for it. Go for it. Sweep away. But no one is playing across the line until we get to 20. Let's just start with that basic (laughs) fundamental foundation and see how we go. Pat Cummins' first ball. That, that, that wasn't even a sweep. That was a slog. That was a slog sweep like you needed six to win. It was incredible. I think Paddy, when he got out, you could just see he was so embarrassed. He was like, did I really just do that? And that also, pressure, yeah. that's what does to the brain. You actually do something and your body goes, what did I just do? Like, did, it, that, did I really just say that out loud? Or did that really just happen? That's what pressure does. I loved what AB said about the Alex Carey. That's his third reverse sweep dismissal in four innings, by the way. He said, I'm getting him a T-shirt. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got Shane. G'day, Shane. How are you, mate? G'day, G'day Mido. Boys, how are you? Shane-o. Um, look, uh, fellas, any NRL supporters out there that worried about their team on the weekend, forget about it. It's trolls. It means absolutely nothing. You look at the teams that ran out in the second half there, Half those players won't even play first grade this year. So you can forget about that. Secondly, Bulldog, on your bagging, you're jumping on with this dolphin bashing, or same as all the other journos, you love it. Look, you said the team shouldn't have come in till next year. What would have happened? The same thing would have happened this year. 
teams would have locked up their major players and we'd still be talking about the same thing. Four years ago, all you journos said, if we don't expand, we die. We expanded, now you're saying it's too soon. We've got to be patient. Look at the Raiders and the Steelers in 82. We have to be patient. Yeah, Bulldog. I want us to <laughs> expand, Shane. I want us to go to 18 teams. So you've got that wrong. All I'm saying is with the roster that the Dolphins have got, I just can't see them being competitive in the first year. And the game needs them to be competitive because of the broadcast deal. They don't want a rubbish game every week where there's 30 points put on the side that don't have a roster that's good enough for the NRL. That's what I'm saying. And I just thought, in my humble opinion, if the Dolphins were given another year, they could perhaps have uh, compiled and secured a better roster. Yeah, but you're going to have the same problem. You're going to have major clubs locking up their superstars. It never ends. As soon as they see the warning signs, they go, let's lock them up. You have to bring them in. The Raiders and the Steelers were basket cases in their first few years, and they come good. We have to be patient. No more Dolphin bashing, please. Oh, we'll be patient with the Dolphins, and I expect them to run last, but that's what happens in your first year. We all go through that in terms of new clubs. Yeah, it's not the old days, Shane. It's not the 1980s where if Illawarra get beaten by 50 in their first game, uh, you know, no one cares. This day and age, success is vital because the broadcast deal is worth $1.9 billion and they don't want a basket case there every week. Who's hey, how good was the 80s? Oh, exactly. Oh, I heroes, heroes and Helens, um, undoubtedly. The villain... Shane Elford, mate, get off the field. Look, if you're going to bag opposition players, lace the boots on champ and get back out there. As soon as he got on the field and Wormsley aimed up to him, he ran away. Fair dingham. Give it a break, son. Good on you, Shane. <laughs> Thanks for the call. We've got time for James. G'day, James. James, we got you? Yep, yep. Here as a villain. Go for it, mate. Yeah, um, look, um, I'll have to give myself a wrap. I um, put a tenner on the um, full-time draw, 80-minute draw on the um, St. Ellen's Penrith oh, game. Brilliant. Your shout. Cha-ching. Well, well, it paid 31s, so I was pretty happy with that. So it made, made me... Uh, made yourself the hero. Prof- oh, well, profitable day on the punt, yes. Why not? Love it. And, uh, yeah, the villains, I'd have to say, oh, well, I mean, I just heard Shane there talking about the, the no-name Dolphins. And I've got a feeling that uh, I know a few people from Redcliffe and that, and they don't like the fact that uh, they don't have a locality name in their name. And um, I reckon I was looking at the crowd last night, and there was a lot of empty seats for a brand-new club for a local derby. So I I think they're on the nose at the moment because they don't um, have any integrity as far as having a locality name in their name. So I think that plus um, the high prices that the... um, uh, the game at Belmore yesterday um, was unwarranted as well. So give them an uppercut, whoever the um, greedy administrators were. I mean, it's something we debated quite a lot when they were first announced. Well, the name was first announced. The fact they weren't going to have a geographic element attached to Dolphins. It's just Dolphins. That's obviously they want to get that corridor all the way up to the Sunshine Coast, uh, don't they, Bulldogs? So they don't want to just call it Redcliffe. And, um, yeah, I mean, do, do we... Does it really make much of a difference? I don't know. I think, personally, you know, every club should have some geographical... I'd rather that, too. I mean, why are they embarrassed from where they come from? And it's, you know, I don't if know. If you're not embarrassed and you love your area and you're proud of your area, well, then name it after your area. Mm. Do you think Manly would ever take Manly out? Do you think East will ever take Easts out? Well, they... Cronulla? 
It'll never happen. Well, East sort of did when they well, ca- named them they the, the Sydney, Sydney Roosters. Roosters. There was still, the Sydney Bulldogs, there is a the Sydney Tigers geographic link, though. Mm. But I just can't work. This theory that if you take out the geographical link that sponsors are going to throw themselves at you because you don't have a condensed area, I think it's garbage. Mm. I think it's absolute garbage. So just call them Redcliffe. I would have called them Morton Bay. Mm. The Morton Bay Dolphins, I thought was a good name for them. Big punters post-mortem coming up, and Ron Duffercy is joining us. G'day, Duff. How are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Jared. Let's start with the vanquished, and, uh, well, the odds-on favourite after cabin, and also down south, Nature Street. What do you make of those two performances? Yeah, it was a funny run by after cabin. He, he sort of was a little slow in the stride, then he over-raced. He did a few little things wrong and probably didn't have the best run in transit. Still, the jury is a little out on him. He was, you know, the facts are he was a fifty favourite and expected to do a little bit more. So, jury's out on him, where Ozzy Penko is just on the improve and got the job done, and he's going to get better when he gets to the mile. So, we'll match a latte there. Uh, being first up, he looks a real Rosehill Guineas type, that fellow. So, yeah, and Nature Strip, well, he's too good a horse to just say, oh, he's, he's finished, retire him um, off one run at 1,000 metres. So we know he's in great shape at the moment. Uh, just looking at him, and um, I, don't, I don't think we should judge him on that one run. We'll leave it. Chris knows him pretty well, and I think we'll have a look at him next time at 1,200 and see what happens. A cylinder won the silver slipper for Godolphin. What would you take out of the race overall? Yeah, he looks a real golden slipper prospect. He, he, he wandered and did a few little things wrong. I thought it was a good tactical ride uh, by Abdullah, and, yeah, he's... He, he, knowing, well, the Godolphin team usually get it right, and I think they'll have him peaking on Golden Slipper Day, and he'll be one of the live wire chances. Probably a horse you'd like to see get a, a nice draw in a Golden Slipper. And uh, anything we're following out of the meeting? Uh, look, I, that was I mentioned, Machilate. Mm. For him to be underdone going into a race like that and getting so close, over 1,400, suggests that he's come up really, really well. So I'm not sure if he can win the Ramwick Guineas, but I'd like to be specking him in the Rose Hill Guineas at 2,000 metres. Great stuff, Duff. We'll catch you shortly. Thanks, mate. It's coming up. Punters post-mortem. Huge show this morning. Uh, heading towards the meaty part of the autumn carnival now, aren't we? And, uh, well, a big day, particularly with the Oakley Plate and the Blue Diamond down south. And uh, we've got the surround stakes in Sydney and the Chipping Norton as well at Royal Ramwick. Uh, perfect just to combine your weekend with the big sports breakfast lunch on Friday. All up the races at Ramwick on Saturday. As well, we've got to give a winner out for heroes and villains. Well done, Julie, who made cancer the villain, uh, lost her, her sister recently, and uh, of course, we've been uh, mourning the loss of Dean Lester, uh, who unfortunately passed away last week. And his funeral will be held this week, I believe, at the Cranbourne Turf Club. And uh, her hero was her nine year old granddaughter who's shaving her head for the world's greatest shave. So, great stuff! Amazing. Well done, Julie. And well done, Dean Bulldog Richie, who uh, back-to-back hosting the show yesterday with Ray Thomas in here today with Lozer away. Sleeping tomorrow? I'll be sleeping in tomorrow, Clarky. Mm. I'll be in bed very early tonight. I always toss and turn when I've got to come in here early. Scared I you never miss sleep. the alarm. Terrified. Yeah, I know the Absolutely feeling. Absolutely terrified. You only hope you do alarm. miss the alarm. That's what I think every morning. <laughs> Please miss the alarm. Day off. Just give me a day off. And uh, I'll leave, uh, we'll leave Bulldog on this note, this text. Ha-ha, there's nothing humble about you, Bulldog. <laughs> no name. <laughs> Is that from, that's from Buzz for sure. Buzz's text that.
Well, you got, if, you've got to have a crack. At least put your name on there. If you, if you got a Show message a for of... Loz before he comes back? Uh, no, not really. Not really. He had one win. Raiders wouldn't spur? Raiders, season? yeah, Raiders. No, I can't say that. Ricky might be listening. <laughs> and he scares me. <laughs> Thank you, Bulldog. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate have, it. Have a great day, everyone.